Well, speaking of talking about whatever the fuck we want, <laughs> it's another episode of Frame Rate with Abraham <laughs> and Michael. That's right. Isaac and Jacob. And <laughs> shut up. <laughs> There's a third person here who's not supposed to talk until they're introduced. <laughs> Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Alex Schiffman. Uh, 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 uh. Do you want to say something? I was going to say how up. great you are and that you host a phenomenal <laughs> podcast called At Least There's This. I, I do. At Least There's This is currently on hiatus, uh, but it won't be on hiatus forever in the future. I am also... Uh, a producer and host of a live show called Science the Show. If you're in LA, come check that out, where we bring local scientists, because LA is like one of the best science cities in America, and local comedians, because LA is the entertainment capital of this country, together to do a badass show every month about some of the coolest cutting-edge shit in science. Mm, so nice. find us uh, online on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, Science the Show. Woo! Well, that uh, you heard uh, was that I was compulsively realizing... I didn't say, welcome to Frame Rate, a show where we write frames. But who actually cares? Because all I care about is talking about our topic today, uh, which Alex picked from our long, long list of movies. We've wanted to cover this movie since the very beginning, and it was one of the two or three on the list where I'm like, we actually got frustrated. We're like, why is no, no one picking? it? Yeah, so let's start things off by asking Alex, what is your history with Kung Fu Hustle? Why'd you pick it off the list? Oh, why is it special to you? And we'll oh, go from there. So I, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, which uh, which is probably best known as the... Uh, the Shaolin Temple of the United States. Uh, that's not true. No one should be studying martial arts in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I grew up as a little like Kung Fu nerd. Uh, and I, I knew that I wanted to study martial arts when I was a kid, and I had just seen The Matrix, and the only other martial art I knew about was Taekwondo, and that's what all of like the nerdy kids in my uh, middle school did. That's what everyone our age did. Did. Yeah, it was like the tie bow of the time. Exactly, it was really being pushed at school. Uh huh. It's like uh, Peter Freeman's a black belt in Taekwondo, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that then. Um, you know, like the Coke and Pepsi thing. At, yeah. At our school, they were like, everyone did Taekwondo. There were like five kids who did uh, Tonksudo. Okay. And like it's a little different. It's different. It's a yeah. Little, there's more holds. There's arms and stuff in <laughs> yeah. it instead of just kicks. In a lot of ways, it's more authentic. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. Like I really get the culture. So yeah. I, uh, I, I wanted to do kung fu because Keanu Reeves has that line, mm -hmm. right? And the Wachowskis. There is no spoon. Right. right there is no spoon. <laughs> and you're like no spoons. Spoons. Kung fu. <laughs> exactly. Shave my head. Be an asshole for Whoa. six years. I am kung fu. Yeah. Uh, whoa, Kung Fu is a thing I know now, yeah. is the line, the That's eponymous the line. line. Would you describe yourself as having been an asshole during this period? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it was like, it was between 12 and 18, so Did I was you just go around punching people No, in the I couldn't fight okay, for okay. shit. Yeah. I couldn't fight at all. I was Did you ever get that barcode tattoo on the back of your neck? No, but I wished I was cool enough <laughs> But like you that. definitely thought about you it. No, I was at a, so I was at a comedy show, uh, two nights ago and then after the comedy show was a goth coven that mm -hmm. like came into the space and had their like communion thing mm -hmm. and I realized like oh everyone who taught me kung fu was a goth right they were like oh. white goths in Ohio who were like basically doing sport wushu but calling it kung fu mm -hmm. uh, it, that's whatever v levels but so I was in love with this shit obviously because of like wuxia movies and novels and wuxia is like Chinese fantasy but it's like almost 
it's like historical fantasy. There's, it's taken from the myths. It's taken. Uh, it's but it's not so much mythic as it's like semi-historical. It happens kind of in history, but with supernatural stuff layered on. But the supernatural is all entirely like naturalistic supernatural, where it's yeah. like people can kind of fly through the air because their kung fu is so good, right? Yeah. And they can she, stun you the with pressure points. Chi being unlocked, giving you actual like, right, abilities. Like, yeah, taken mm-hmm. to like the nth degree. Um, you yeah. know, for the sake of the listener. You know, thirteen assassins, hero, crouching, crouching tiger. tiger, right? Those are all wuxia, yeah. like uh, heavily, like wuxia movies. And so I love this shit. And then like you're learning kung fu, and you're like an impressionable teen. And you're like, yeah, like I'll be able to do that. You know, and like it's almost like Scientology. Yeah. It's like, very much I'll like get Scientology. Magic powers like the movies. Yeah, right? I'll get it. And, <laughs> and so eventually, I realized like, oh no, 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 no. I, I'm very weak and it's small. It's just a sport. It's, it's just a physical. It's activity. a physical activity. There's no powers here. Uh, you're not a wizard, Harry. But I kept my love for the the genre, and like I, yeah, I. Did uh, not quite a thesis in my senior year in college because I went to Sarah Lawrence, so you just do whatever the fuck you want. But like, I got to do an independent study on mm-hmm. Hong Kong kung fu movies from like the late '60s to the early '80s. So oh. like, I fucking it's my jam. And Kung Fu Hustle came out when I was 14, right? This is 2004, right? Or 2004. So I was 14. Written when and it directed dropped. by Stephen Chow. I, Stephen Chow, great dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. did also did Shaolin Soccer. Um, this yeah. is probably the movie that most Americans would know unless they're mm-hmm. into foreign films. It's yeah. definitely. It was, and it's also the biggest. Like so, when Kung Fu Hustle mm-hmm. came out, like he's the Spielberg of China. He's very prolific, <clears> but this is the one that even if you're a casual, it's worldwide. Fan, right. Yeah. It's. Like this beat Shaolin soccer right. as the biggest domestic grossing in China movie ever. But before that, so, it was like, Shaolin so, soccer. Yeah, right. yeah, think of him as the James Cameron or the uh, Spielberg, Spielberg of, of China. But a comedian. But a jokester. Right. And, and yeah. stylistically, as we said off mic, I think he reminds uh, Abe and I more of, of Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright. Yeah. Very, very Edgar Wright. But with the cultural importance of a Spielberg right. to China. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. he's funnier than Edgar Wright. I Actually. would agree. Yeah. I like, like Edgar Wright. Tit and, for tat, joke for joke. Right, but I'm not laughing. The, never will I go like, <gasps> ah, ah, at an Edgar Wright movie. I'll laugh. and I, That's how I laugh. That's I'm how you laugh. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I want to see watch um, movies. Yeah. Hard disagree because of Hot Fuzz, but I, that's a different episode. Yeah. 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 There are some gags in this movie that we'll talk about later that are just like, that was totally perfect. Yes. That was just every I mean, beat of this gag oh was, yeah. Uh, yeah. was it's Looney a fucking gem. tunes. Well, yeah. you it's called it. Um, sorry, I don't know the proper name of the Chinese fantasy. Oh, genre. so wuxia, right? Okay, but so, this is also like this. Uh, this has wuxia elements. It has like what I'd call more straight up kung fu movie elements. Yes. More like Chinese action elements. More like so Chinese action is this massive, right? Like umbrella meta genre, genre yeah. right? Where there's like. Wuxia, and then there's sort of your more hardened. There's like the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, equivalent, right. where it's like, no, they don't have magic; they're shooting each other. And they're punching, right? Yeah. Sort of like the 1980s, like John Woo shit before he yep. came over to America. Then there's like historical mm. Chinese propaganda films, and like, so this movie kind of has it all. So that's my question: yeah. is is it? And just to, I don't. Mm-hmm. You got he has his own voice and tone, so you've got to just see Stephen Chow movies right. and get a feel for them. But I'm also going to compare him to Tarantino in the sense that, or I'm asking you, because who's better versed in Wuxia. Right. Uh, because um, God of Cookery, his first domestic film, was mm-hmm. also like, what if 
we made a wuxia movie about a chef. Yeah. That's a funny twist on the idea of chi and magic. And then he continued on that success with what if soccer players, what if it was like Bend It Like Beckham, but they did wire stunts and had magic abilities. Did Stephen Chow, like, was that as revolutionary as it seems to me or do we not know? I think it's fair. Like, I haven't seen a lot of this in of other bringing, like, movies of broad like, comedy the broad comedy I mean absolutely. like I wouldn't it's, describe a lot of Jackie Chan films as wuxia they're like I mean it's an aqueous genre definition but right. it's more to me like that's just a straight up like martial Jackie arts Chan like kung is more fu like movie, a John right? Wick like, like Rumble in the Bronx is like a John just, Wick vibe I get, I'm actions. thinking of like old school Jackie Chan like the original Drunken Logan Master that, yeah. like right. uh, uh Fearless Hyena, like the really old school Jackie Chan. Those stuff. are still kind of wuxia. They're, but they're like, there's no real magic ability outside of just being really good at fighting and pulling like kung fu shapes. Yeah, right. Like no one has wire work abilities. No That's one true. like drunken boxing in yes. those movies. Like okay, so drunken boxing in. Fuck, I'm going deep cuts. But like uh, Once Upon a Time in China, where Jet Li's mm-hmm. playing the same guy Jackie Chan plays in, uh, right. in Drunken Master, Drunken Master. Yeah. that's more wuxia because he's like flying and you know pausing yeah. people with pressure point hits. Drunken Master, he just knows drunken boxing and it's like good at fighting. And that's why I compare it to John Wick. It's right. Jackie Chan, you're watching it to appreciate the time Jackie Chan spent learning how to do right. this. Yeah. Whereas I do feel like Stephen Chow has that. And in fact, I thought something I learned about Kung Fu Hustle this time is very interesting to me is he had the humility, I would say, to have uh, masters of wireworks stunt oh, yeah. films yeah, Yen Wu-Ping direct the fight sequences. Uh-huh. I assumed he, because he's such an auteur, he wanted right. to direct it all himself, but he stepped back and was like, no, when they fight, I don't want it to be like a funny version of a wuxia movie. Right. The wuxia parts need to be Baller. This needs yeah. to... So he got real guys to come in and do it for him. And then I'll do the comedic beats, like stepping on right. his toes, you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But There's... I think the difference, or what makes right. Usha is, in the way that we have the Marvel Universe, it's like, Jackie Chan never does a thing where he's like, and now because I underwent this character transformation... I can summon a giant fist. Right, from I the can sky. do something super <laughs> magical. Right, like so. Jet. A lot of this movie is inspired by like. So there were two major production houses in Hong Kong in like the seventies. There's Shaw Bros, and everyone kind of knows that from like uh, Thirty Six Chambers, right? Uh, and I don't know fuck, what, what, was, <laughs> what, what was the Wu Tang album, Liquid Sword. Oh, okay. Where they're just like referencing kung fu movies nonstop. Right, yep. So that's mostly Shabro shit. And then there's Golden Harvest, which is Jackie Chan's production house. That's where Bruce Lee came from. And a lot of people from those movies uh-huh. back back in the seventies, the eighties show up in this. Like the two landlords are very much Golden Harvest Didn't people. Sammy Cho do was started, but then he had a injury, like he had a sickness or something like that. I'm not sure who Sammy Cho is. Uh, he's the guy. He's in a lot of Jackie Chan movies. He's also an It Man. Is wait, is it? Like I Q-Q think sometimes Wing? he goes by Sammy Hung. I think too oh, as well. Wait, Sammo, huh? Sammo, Sammo Hung. Sammo Hung. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sammo. No, Sammo Hung like started the whole. And but then thing, yeah, right? but then he was working on Kung Fu Hustle. Had an injury or had a medical related thing, and that's why the guy from Catching Why Yen Wu Ping was the choreographer? Yeah, Yeah. took over. So Yen Wu Ping also, like Yen Wu Ping choreographed the original Drunken Master, like 
all these dudes are sort of part of the same world. And it's so dope to like watch them get together and almost make a spoof of their own shit. So because we have all seen this movie many times Mm -hmm. and it's one of our favorite movies, I want to try and occasionally interject and like remember that a lot of people listening have not don't know what the oh, fuck. Oh, let's it's talk about even, this movie. It's not like yeah. this is Titanic. Right. No, no, I was just gonna yeah. say you referenced the landlords, and so I think it's important to okay, explain. Okay, okay, okay. And I do think that's something. Uh, again, like not being well versed enough in the totality of Chinese cinema. Right. I am. I going, think you and I are a little above the curve than most of our audience. I'm gonna to say. Be I'm gonna say Stephen Chow. Like I'm surprised. This. Right. Very good. Right. I'm gonna I, say. This is my jam, man. I'm gonna say Stephen Chow invented this, but I don't yeah. know that to be true. But it it feels revolutionary to me that he has these landlord characters yeah. and the three other masters in the town. Right. Um, basically <clears throat> a gang comes and threatens a small town. And then it turns out many people in the town, including the aging landlords who own the town, it's like more of a slum than a town. Right. It's Pitch like style. a tenement block. Right. Is what it's called. Uh, are masters with incredible supernatural martial arts powers. Right. And what I love is that I don't feel like I see in like Warriors of Zoo Mountain or anything or like other wuxia stuff I've seen. Um, It's basically saying like, I don't know, why can't an average looking out of shape guy have magic powers? And it's so fun. Like the fact that the landlord dude's power is that he's so he's lazy that he just kind of flops around. Yeah. So, that's his whole fighting style. Yeah, the, flopping. That's actually, I was reading a lot about this. That is, that's a joke more for the Chinese audience who really knows this shit. That's and what like, I feel. That's yeah. really common in Wuxia is the person who is... Like, like water? No, just like dressed up like the normal guy. And like, oh, oh I'm just okay. a normal person. And they're like actually this heroic member of like yeah. the martial world. Yeah. So it's like pretty... It's, it's not... This so this movie is very much its own beast, and he's like taking things from different genres that like wouldn't normally end up in like Pigsty Alley. It is yeah, original, it's such yeah. an original remix. But like that does happen in Wuxia yeah. novels and movies where like, oh, you're just a normal guy. Like, who's this weird old hermit? It's almost like a Yoda kind of right. thing sometimes. Like, like, I'm actually the right, toad, right? The I'm most feared, the most feared master. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the. I love so the two landlords. I love that when they the find lovers, out, right? The love, they're like, oh, the they're the lovers, lovers yeah. right? And they're like a member of this martial world. Who they're just like these like fucking schmucks. Everyone's heard, right? Of them, but though. everyone's heard of them, and yeah. that's like such a hardcore wuxia trope of like, I've heard of you in the martial world. You yeah. know, it's like you fucking heard of this dude. He's a fucking like yeah. nobody. But it's it's the so same as funny. Flash. It's right. when people go like, wait you're James Bond? And it's yeah. like, no one's supposed to know his name. How come everyone knows who he right. is? Right, how come everybody knows you? I thought he was a fucking you. spy. Right, <laughs> he's a bad, bad spy. He fucks yeah. too much to be a good spy. Yeah. I don't think you should leave your DNA that many places That's if you're true. a spy. And I also, I don't, it's very common in Wuxia to have the plot line of, I was a master, but no, I'm just sick away. of killing people right. with my fist, so I want to lay low now. But I got, right. oh, you know, <clears throat> you identified me, now we have now to I fight. Now I have to fight. The, <laughs> my favorite current, like, relatively recent wuxia movie is a remake of, fuck, I think it was called Duel to Death, but it's based on, one of the two biggest wuxia novelists is a dude named Gulong. And it's a remake of his novel, and it's called The Swordsman, or The Swordsmaster. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire plot, is, like, this one incredible swordmaster thinks, like, 
this other dude died and he was the only guy as good as him so he's going insane but that guy's actually just sick of killing and he's just become a normal guy and like that's mm. the whole narrative mm. yeah because that's an uh, that's another classic trope of the yeah. genre is the big bad at the end his only motivation to fight is to know if he's the win- is the best. is that oh theoretically there's someone who's a challenge I must fight them. There's a yeah. thing. I love yeah. that it's like I have nothing against them and nothing to gain. That's just how these movies go. I just need to know. There, there's this <laughs> thing in Wu where like I almost call it homo romanticism because the one of the biggest directors in the genre. A lot of people think he was a closeted homosexual because it's always beautiful men like stabbing each other in the guts and spilling their blood in these like uh-huh. almost uh, orgasmic, orgasmic yeah. scenes. Yeah. But, you know, like how yeah. gay dudes, they constantly stab, stab each other. Right, they constantly stab the each guts. other in the guts and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. have like uh, gut orgasms. But it's always about like two men who meet each other and they're like, you're also an honorable Kung Fu master. In a secret world that only we know Right, about? like yeah. you understand me. Sure. And this, mm-hmm. Kung Fu Hustle's got that too with like the toad when he sees how good Stephen Chow becomes. He's like, fucking finally, yeah. And even the lovers when he realizes, <laughs> oh, you're those faded lovers, yeah. the masters? Respect. Like oh, they're right. like yeah. into you. Yeah, right. And I think... um American audiences early, so I don't know, maybe this is just my experience, but I feel like most of us are first probably introduced to these tropes in Dragon Ball Z. Yes, it Dragon much, Ball Z is, It has yeah. the feeling of like, what? We discovered this guy, he has 11,000 power? Respect. Weird, but respect yeah. though. Anime and Wuxia share a lot of similar tropes. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, the cultures are sort of amorphous yes. between Chinese and Japanese fiction. But I do think it's important to hit on how, on the different aspects of bringing, because Stephen Chow is also well-versed in global pop culture mm-hmm. and American culture. Yeah. And Specifically if comedy, but if, yeah. Yeah, yes. all over the place. But if right. you haven't seen this movie and you're like, because Mike, we don't broadcast, uh, like, I like a lot of anime. I mean, Princess Mononoke may be my f- number one film, but yeah. we aren't It's we aren't like manga nerds or anything no. like that. But so I want people who haven't seen the movie to understand the other ingredients in the mix so that make this so special. Yeah. Because so, Abe, you referenced Looney Tunes. Can you speak to what you mm-hmm. meant by oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just take it by a scene. Right. And you know what scene we all want to talk about? The fucking knife throwing knife scene. God, I scene. fucking love that scene. Okay. Okay. That is if Looney you could Tins. bring the Marx Brothers, Charlie Chaplin, and Buster Keaton back from the dead for one and they scene, they saw this scene, they would all go respect. Yeah, respect. yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, right. it's like the Toad seeing the lovers of like, yeah, yeah, I yep. want to fight you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, it's Looney Tunes. It's a bunch of things, but the reason it's Looney Tunes, and I, as soon as I thought of, I thought of another sequence that is the greatest. I, is it Looney wait, Tunes? Is it the fight? Sequence? No, the, uh, the fire in the uh, car the, is my favorite. You know what? My, one of the, the before chair, the I jump in, before we jump into okay, the because okay, okay. I know we want to talk about the knife scene. I know. <laughs> before we jump in, I want to explain the tone and answer your question. A better example of it because it's clearly just it is uh, when it's at the beginning of the movie when he fr- they finish the haircut and Sing comes out. And he's trying to pick a fight with everyone to show that like they're a part of the action. <laughs> oh my God. Hero he, so he's, he has yeah, to right. choose people from the audience to fight. And it goes from 
hey, you uh, young woman or you uh, old woman, you come fight me. And she's like a farmer. You don't know this at the time. And he, she just clocks him and he spits blood out. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay, what's your job? And she's like, I'm a farmer. And then sends him back. And he she goes, sends him away. Again, because yeah. he's in away. the same line. Right. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm too high class. Yeah, right. right. to, to fight, fight. Yeah. So he's like, how about uh, you old man? And of course, the the the. Uh, crowd people parts. parts and you uh, just hit you super saw it, right. buff old man with glasses comes out. He's like, no, no, sit down, old man. I'm not gonna do that. He's like, you kid, an even buffer kid comes out. The kid's like, like eight. It's the head it's of like an eight-year-old eight. right. boy on like a super yeah. swole body, like a longshoreman's oh, yeah. body. <laughs> I forgot one, which first. is literally like yeah. an Elmer Fudd joke. Right. Yeah. I forgot one. There's one earlier, which is just. Uh, the short man who, t- right. who stands up and he's like nine feet tall. He'd just been sitting on a stool because he was too tall yeah. for everybody. Yeah. It's, so it's Looney Tunes in that it's like a Rolodex of like slapstick jokes. It's a constant like barrage of um, just like playing with reality really too because like something I, bla- I blaze past is that when he gets punched and he spits out blood yeah. from a single... He's not like immediately fine, but he goes like, oh, all right, how about you now? <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's fine. And that's the world we're kind of occupying is that people will like do things yes. that are like amazingly, like only tunes can do. Right. And like, like I don't know, who They'll framed Robert Rabbit? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's but then Space Jam shit in this. Fine, yeah. But then other times there are real stakes. So that's the right. mishmash yeah. of what tone that he's good what's at. so brilliant about it is he found a way to make that a plot point. You think that Sing, the protag, right. you're like, oh, he can get stabbed in a scene and then he's fine in the next scene because we're in a cartoon universe. Then in, there's a scene where his, and again, another reason I always think Edgar Wright is, he has like a Nick Frost, like, it, there's a very Simon Pegg, Nick Frost yes, buddy couple yes, in it. there is. And his Nick Frost guy is like, it's weird how you always heal so fast. And I was like, Oh You're shit, I didn't even in? pick up on that. This yeah. is going to be a thing? Yeah, because of course he's destined to be the chosen one. Right, cuz his like his body works at a better like yeah. it's his circulates chi better than right. any other one body. In right, one in a million. To me, part of the brilliance of the movie is and that's why it reminds me of an Edgar Wright or even arrested development level of like attention to detail is he he realized uh Looney Tune characters can do magical stuff. Uh, wuxia characters can do magical right. stuff. Ah, shit. And this weird combination gives you right. scenes that are so powerful where, like, uh, the landlady chases him out of town early on, and, and it's they literally, literally run with the Looney yeah. Tunes right. legs going like... like yeah. And... In retrospect, they also do like ski hops, like in yeah. the midair, oh, yeah. like do tricks and like hold. In retrospect, it's actually literally impossible to tell. Was she running at super speed and he was running at super speed because they both turn out to be chi masters? Right. Was it a visual metaphor of just a Looney Tunes way to shoot a running sequence, oh, or shit. a combination of both? And the point is. He realized he could invent this magical world where it could be both or Michael, neither, and it doesn't matter. that's a fucking level I wasn't even... Oh, yeah. I thought it was just straight because, up gag, gag, gag. Because it's all gags, but it's also, uh, if you the look synergy. at it, the, uh, the ending part of that sequence, you have to take it for what it's worth, which is she runs into, like, billboard. Oh, right. And, like, all, you know, like... and. That's how he gets away. But also, so her, like underwear flies off like a Looney right, Tunes right. character. Right, right. So it's it's still <laughs> yeah. all wrapped in this Looney Tunes like wrapper. But 
you're supposed to believe that these events happened. And he's not like, I think if we were to ask him, he, like, so are they like, are they gods? Are they Looney Tunes? Or like, what are they? Yeah. He's like, yes. All, yes of they are. All of it. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome to me. Just the core realization that Looney huh. Tunes basically have fully unlocked their chi. Right. Because yeah. they can stretch. They can't die. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. they, they're part of the MA, uh, the Ome clan, yeah. and they've been like masters this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other gag I, I want to talk about Please. in this so bad that isn't like about being no, masters no, at all. It. It's pivot. So, like, <laughs> the Axe Gang. So, the, the first act or so of the movie. It, seeing our main character accidentally brings like the the hatchet gang down onto pigsty alley and the hatchet gang is like running the city there's a lot of debate about what city this is mm-hmm. in my mind it's so very much hong kong but everyone on the internet is like no this is shanghai and I'm like why they're speaking cantonese but it doesn't matter <laughs> uh, so they bring the hatchet gang who's like the criminal gang that's running the city like down onto pigsty alley and then you find out there are all these like masters of kung fu who live in pigsty alley who fight back whatever but they all sort of get their asses kicked and then the landlords turn out to be like the you know the mastery masters of the whole thing and they at one point fight back against some of the axe gang's worst killers and then go up to like the leader of the axe gang and just threaten the fuck out of him and scare him so much Mm -hmm. and then he and like his toady are like okay let's drive away and his toady sees that he's really upset and he's like you know boss do you want a cigarette and so he lights his boss's cigarette and they're just in this car and then they just catch on fire as the car is driving they're so scared that their hands are shaking so much that when he like it takes him ten tries to light the cigarette, and then when the guy's smoking the cigarette, he's shaking so much he drops it in his own lap. And they just start burning, and it's like this yeah. isn't really important to the plot, but it's, it's just, just funny. so funny to watch these <laughs> schmucks just like burn in the back of a car, like trying it's, to put the it's fire. Stephen Chow, it's it's the kind of things he thinks are funny are on some level for me the kind of stuff that I think is like, he gets me is like one of those things that you get with some, and I'm sure he gets a lot of people, but like there's little things that happen. Like when he, when sing gets his face, just pummeled into the ground before he turned, gets cocooned, turned into his end master. Yeah. Uh, His, like his response is to like shakily grab the handle oh and just a like splinter, splinter and, throw it, and throw it at his head and just thwap. Like yeah. it's going to help. Right. It's those kind of little types of like, like it's almost anarchist, anarchist in its way. It's like, right. it's saying like nothing matters. And why is it funny? Cause I don't know. It looks funny. He did it in Shaolin soccer too, as and well with the eggs. Like I'm yeah. just going to just, why, why did you do that? There's no logical reason as a filmmaker, storyteller. It doesn't have any value other than the joke, and you're already killing it in the jokes. Why did you add that prolonged sequence? Because I thought it was funny. And I think that's why it makes our minds go to Edgar Wright somewhat is, and just as comedians, we respect so much that it's so thoroughly Rolodex. Yeah. Like in the knife-throwing scene that I guess we'll just save for the end. No, let's just do it let's now. Talk okay, about in it. the knife... What's impressive to me about the knife throwing sequence is if in Cracked we had been told there has to be a scene where he throws knives and he fails, yeah. we would have rolled it X as hard as we could every possible way you could fail at that in a funny way, and we would have probably landed on mostly all the same things they do in this scene. It's like so thorough in the Looney Tunes way where you're like, the elements are simple, and it's this iterative process. Well... 
the first knife he throws ricochets and it hits him and you're like, okay, well that's the gimme, but where so do now, we go from here? Right. So now he's got a knife sticking out of his body. Right. Yeah. Like, There's one knife. All right. Okay. And this changes things a yeah, little. So then you have the buddy say, well, for your protection, I'll throw the next <clears throat> knife. And when he put rears back, it stabs him because he lets go of the knife <laughs> on his backswing and then like pulls the knife out of his wound to throw it again and then puts it back when he's like, why did you take the knife out of my wound? I do love there's, and that, this is another Stephen Chow, yeah. just adding another layer that makes it funny, which is that uh, uh, the landlady gets hit with the handle and says, hey, who's up throwing who's these throwing handles? handles? <laughs> like, oh. It's just a funny line. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, uh, yeah, and and then the old, like, it's so classic. It's nice to me to know that some comedic sensibilities transcend culture, right. where it's like, what do you do for the third beat? Well, what any good comedian would do, completely break the system in a way where the people go, oh, I didn't think that was going right. to happen, which is, well, the fourth time he tries to throw the knife, a basket of snakes falls on Right, him. there's just like, <laughs> like a basket yeah, of no, snakes. No, he's like, I have no more knives now. Right. So he throws the basket of snakes, but then he rears it back <laughs> it and it falls just on all... They have to one-up that by saying like, oh shit, now the snakes are an issue. Now I have to deal with that issue. What do you do to snakes? I hear that singing to them. Whist- or whistling. Or yes, whistling, whistling to the will, snakes. will like be okay. He's, so he's like, ah, it doesn't hurt to try. He tries it immediately. The snakes just all bite him. As fast as like how fast Peter Griffin falls down in Family Guy. <laughs> right. he, he purses his lips and snakes like, mousetrap onto right. his mouth. Yeah, like yeah. The worst thing you could have done. The comedic sensibilities of the pacing, yeah. the editing, the movie's so well edited. Mm. Um, but, I just gotta say, the uh, when this movie came out, if you're still not convinced to see this and you haven't seen it, Bill Murray, this is a Bill Murray oh, quote, yeah. Kung Fu Hustle is the supreme achievement of the modern age in terms of film comedy. There, we should have had a day of mourning for American comedy the day that Kung Fu Hustle came out. That's it's that funny. It's yeah. so funny, but we're we're not done with the knife stuff yet because <laughs> no. when the landlady chases him, there's a there's a moment where they're running on the highway at top speed. Oh yeah, and he looks in the so a knife is in his shoulder. He's now used it as a story he, device, right? He uses the knife as a rear view as mirror to side, see yeah. her approaching on him, and it's like right. they remembered that the knife is there. The yeah. thoughtfulness of using and that is a comedian's instinct like can we use this again right it's in his shoulder can it do something else right (laughs) can it be helpful and uh in that same scene you were talking about where they shake and catch themselves on fire uh the landlady doesn't speak she just magically appears and looks at them to threaten them and that's what scares them right she does beat for beat exactly what bruce lee does yeah right dragon scares someone So it's like if you were steeped in Chinese, the more steeped in Chinese culture you are, the more you notice there's even tiny jokes in right. almost every frame. There is, everything is, there is thorough as to, to stay on the Bruce Lee train. So Bruce Lee like mostly worked with one uh, director and choreographer, Lo Wei, and like there is a scene shot for shot, like almost every Bruce Lee movie before, and well, there are only three, but like. All of the Bruce Lee movies do the same thing where he's surrounded by bad guys and he just does these spinning heel kicks and looks yeah. like I'm the toughest guy here. Yeah. And like Stephen Chow just does that so, to yeah. the nth degree. And it's like, oh, this would just look like a fun beat in a, a fight. I just want to be Bruce Lee. Right. Yeah. Or like, no, this is him just making fun of Bruce Lee choreography yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 It's um it, also there's a the lovers who are also intrinsically tied with this Bruce Lee is and what right. we're talking about right. are dancing the cha cha. In, uh, right, and he was a cha cha dancer. And he was a cha cha dancer. Yeah. It's just like little nuances that Jesus. are like. So, so you take that, that 
it, I, I'm glad we started with that stuff right. because that stuff is like important to show that like he's doing this in his own culture. He's not just like a regurgitation of global culture because I don't know Western cinema. We like to kind of think about like we're ourselves the cinema, about yeah. that, but like it's not just that. Like he says, there's a quote that's used with great power comes great responsibility. This is a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it was made after Spider-Man. Quote, what are you prepared to do is direct reference to the untouchables. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. Uh, Singh uh, arrives at the door to the beast cell. That you, it's funny that you guys are calling him the Toad because that's his. No, I know. What he's he looks, really he's called the beast. the beast. Yeah. Oh right, uh, right, right. He arrives at the uh, cell at the men, a mental asylum. He hallucinates a large wave of blood rushing from the cell door. So the shining. The, it's shining. A, the shining shot. You know. So there's just like uh, the harpists imitate the Blue Brothers. They even say. Uh, oh shit! Strictly right. speaking, we're just musicians, which is yeah. a line said by El. El so I love that he's also. Fuck, that's it's a Blues if, Brothers reference. I didn't yeah. even because I was like, oh, what is this from? Like a Jin Yong novel. And it's like, oh, yeah. he's just doing the no, fucking Blues. The Brothers. Matrix is in there. The Matrix is all over there. That level of literacy in narrative across the globe. It. I don't think it's untoward to say like this is this movie to me is an achievement on the level of like. Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce, where it's like he had to be fluent in nine different so levels of cultural much. trope yeah. to make this movie. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I'll never see every joke in the movie because I would have to learn Chinese to see every joke right. in the movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's just so mind-blowing. deep it's, and the then, levels yeah. of jokes. And in then that. here's why I love that. Sorry, I'm just no, we're all gushing. Go to town, we're all man. gushing. But the reason why that like it's it's so well done is that you take all, exactly what you just said, exactly what all, we've all been saying. How do we introduce Sing in this movie? There's a bunch of kids playing soccer. That was his last smash hit. He get he steal which is so good because it does two things. It's not only him commenting on him as a director, but he's commenting and doing the storytelling that's necessary for us to introduce the character, which is he is going to pick fights with kids. But yep. his line is actually a meta conversation about where he is saying, I'm done with Saul and soccer. So he stops the soccer ball, pops the soccer ball as the kids cry and says, no more soccer. <laughs> which it works perfectly so seamlessly that you don't, no, it takes a moment yeah. for you to realize, but it's like, whoa, wow, that was, he did Shaolin Soccer, it was the highest grossing film in Chinese history. He played the main character as he often does in his own film, so this is, you're seeing, that's him again, and he's literally going, because he did a Shaolin Soccer too, yeah, also, right. that he didn't really want to, but he felt like he had to. So this is him straight up being like, new no movie, more. different yeah. movie. <laughs> I want to do what I want right. to do, which and is love, everything. And I love that, Shaolin Soccer is, I would say, a much more traditional rom-com where his character is crafted to be likable, awkward nerd who finally gets the girl because he has a good heart, and all along it was in the power was in him all along. Mm. I love that he's like this guy's a dick. He's I, like a bad man, I, and and he I, wants to be. And it's clear that Stephen Chow is yeah. like, I just wanted to play with a different kind of character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, newsflash. Yeah, it's me again. I know you know what I look like. I know you're very familiar with me. But in this movie, I'm going to play a dick. <laughs> it's different. And he's just yeah. so confident in crafting and communicating with you where, like, we're going here now. This is happening now. The, yeah. the love story in this movie is awful but also hilarious and it is so tone perfect to like all the awkward saccharine like love stories injected into like 80s 
kung fu movies that's like this doesn't need to be there and i think he like if you don't if you watch it from the outside and you're like why is this here it sucks if you watch it with that mindset of like this fucking hates itself right this is parodying itself so hard it's so good and yet i gotta point out that like it's so different than something like a scary movie Mm -hmm. because by the one token they'll have those scenes where they're basically mocking how dated Bruce Lee's choreography right. has become as time has moved on. Although it's, I'm sure I mean, they still amazing, Bruce Lee, you know? but yeah. Yeah. But then I think a natural reaction as an audience member would be like, like when you see scary movie, you're like, yeah, but try to make a good movie. You guys right. wouldn't be able to, this sucks. Yeah. He's like, now there's also going to be scenes like when the musicians fight the Where three masters, awesome. you're like, this is as good as a quote-unquote real blue Bruce Lee right. movie. So this I've, scene is yeah. amazing. I said this before we were rolling, <laughs> but to me, Kung Fu Hustle is the one-punch man of Chinese martial arts cinema, yeah. where a one-punch man is fucking hilarious. If you've seen it, it's like a yeah. manga, yeah. Yeah. but it's also tone-perfect. And yeah. there are moments where like, this is fucking Dragon Ball Z level awesome. It can transition between doing it in a way where it's winking, like, you know how these Kung Fu things go, right. and then immediately switch to a scene where you're like, no, now we really are a kung fu movie. Be right. serious for a second. Yeah, that's that's a question I want to ask you because it's not. He doesn't stop even there because um, I'm glad you brought up the love story. But <clears throat> there's moments where, like, in Pigsty Alley, two things happen r- that are right embedded in between scenes, like two scenes that happen, and they're both embedded between scenes that are um, comedy, like hilarious, like some like some of the best jokes. One right. of them is like uh, the knife scene and stuff like that. Uh, where like the axe gang is literally takes a woman and a child and is about to right, douse like, them and gasoline, burn them burn about them to burn them. We see a picturesque like shot of like when the we get we infer that one of the masters gets beheaded because right. we see a cat getting bisected. Oh, in oh that was such a cool How shot. How do you take? Sorry, dude, but yeah, no, I so, like have to take them off. The sequence for the musician, the idea to use score as a weapon so that as the fight intensifies, yep. the, score the score necessarily intensifies. intensifies. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's the finest action sequence it's for my money really in cool. film yeah. is the musician fight. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, yeah. And we can talk about whatever we want. I just want to finish and <laughs> sure, say, sure, sure, sure. I just want to say how it's more of a question. How is he so able to smack all of these tones together? These bombastic, like, hilarious tones that are irreverent and seem to be going anywhere they do wants right. to be uh, a love story that seems to be, you know, like archaic, but updated uh, and also kind of tugs at your heartstrings. At it times. got me. Yeah. I it got say, yeah. The, the lollipop works. The lo- yeah. The lollipop stuff works. And lolly specifically. Also, I love that on top of everything, He's a master for filmmaker, so he knows how to use iconography so well. Yeah. Like, I love the idea that he one day had the thought, the relationship is the lollipop, and mm-hmm. he uses it so well. Yeah, it's in an intertwined circle where they're orbiting each other, is right. also the makeup of the lollipop. Uh, and also, just um, like how, so you have these horrible deaths or like promises of violence that yeah. are horror. They kill people with axes. Yeah, you know, like so brutal. And you, you smash these all together. Like usually we're worried when we're like, is this too much? Is that too dark for this movie? He's just like, no, no, nothing's too dark for the movie. Nothing. And you can put it right next to that scene if you want to. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know a lot of directors who could be like here, 
a joke about a guy's arm stretching out because it got run over by a steamroller like a Looney Tune. Now, the main character is going to be very disappointed and upset with himself, and you're going to feel how frustrated and yeah. sad he is. That is, you're like, how'd you do both in such quick succession? That <laughs> scene where he's so frustrated, I, I just want to jump on this quick because, like, there isn't a lot. The narrative, you feel it, but it's not really, there isn't tons there. That scene where he's disappointed with himself in the water tower or in the, uh, or in the, yeah, light, the, traffic, the, the light. traffic thing, yeah. you're like, you don't get too much of Singh's progression. And then you just are suddenly in it because Stephen Chow in that moment is acting his fucking ass off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, so I'm so there with him because of his acting. Yeah. And the layering of techniques in this film is such that that's also the very first scene where he does something supernatural. So you're like, experiencing it on the emotional level and at the exact same moment, like you said, with a soccer ball, it achieves multiple things right. simultaneously. Yeah. You're also going, how come his hands are denting the thing? Right. You're like, your brain is activated on the plot level. Your heart yeah. is activated on the acting level. It's, it's it, dense. It's your got a little like, activated on, on, the, on the dick awesome. level. Yeah. <laughs> we have entered the dick level. Yeah. Um, uh, can we also, like another one of this uh, smashing together of tones that just... Because we're all just randomly gonna think of idea. Like, here's a moment. Wasn't right. that funny? Yeah. Uh, when he's he's berating a deaf mute uh, woman who he doesn't recognize as his recognize, crush from right. childhood, stealing ice cream and money from her, oh and then as he's running, as he's driving away, on the back of a trolley, is laughing like a maniacal maniac and then he's just dripping ice cream from his ma it's so it's so funny in a movie that's so crafted because again this involves intricate action sequences so it's way more crafted than your average comedy needs to be yeah yet he still allows himself the joy and freedom to do the kind of shit that Frank would do on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, what if I just open my mouth and let the ice cream fall out (laughs) for no reason because that would be weird and gross. And you're like, yes, Stephen Chow, do ravish me. Do whatever you want, Stephen Chow. Take me, Stephen. Take Take me, me. daddy. Like, to realize that he's also the star of all these, it's like if Steve Carell wrote The Office also. I can't get over... It's like, but if The Office was a parkour TV show. It's like, yeah, like if The Office included the battle at King's Landing and Steve Carell wrote it and achieved the special effects himself. Like, <laughs> fucking A, dude. It's like, yeah. Or, what are you? Yeah. He's he's like Donald Glover levels of, that's not that's fair. A, that's a Why good can you comparison. Do everything? Right, where he's like right. truly so many different levels of skill. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I'm glad you, because yeah, if it was a, feels like Lord of the Rings or something like that. It would be, you know how Legolas and Gimli have like their... The little goof the buddy little thing. Like, I'm yeah. killing more than you right. are. Like, what if they also in that movie, like, Legolas every now and then just sack taps <laughs> Gimli, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Just sack taps him to try to get enough for yeah. advantage. My door falls. Yeah, it's, it's like, it has no problem playing in the lowest of the low to yeah. achieve the highest of the highs. Question, because they're short, but they're stout. Do you think dwarf balls... Bigger than a human balls or smaller than bigger, a, much, think, much bigger. No, I think they're th- the normal size height wise, but much wider, <laughs> thicker. <laughs> Which wide sucks because you know like, they have like, wide thighs like, too. You, you know, like uh, owl's eyes, <laughs> sure. like a cylinder. <laughs> <ball>. <laughs> uh, all right, 
Okay. <laughs> what, right. what else about this what movie? What else about this movie is awesome? <laughs> I think we're done. No, no but it's, it's, yeah, it layers the comedy level, the emotional level. Yeah. I agree with you, Alex, that the love story is simple. It's the kind of love story a comedy would have. And yet the mere fact that he's a director who cares about shot and uses vis- visual symbology, mm-hmm. I do think elevates mm-hmm. it. Um, like you only need to know four beats of their love story, which does mean by definition, it's not a very nuanced love no, story. No, it's pretty simple. But it works on a symbolic level. Right. She represents the innocence of when he was a kid and did want to be good. And now his whole thing is, it's he so funny because be it's the basic narrative from Singh's point of view is, what if a guy who wanted to be the godfather was such a comedic fuck up that he became Superman? Like that he wanted to be evil. Right. And he's so bad at being evil that he becomes the greatest hero in the world. Uh, Yeah. Have you seen, um, like, have you followed all the Stephen Chow stuff now? Uh, I have seen his Journey to the West. Journey to the West is also great. Got some fucking gags in that one. I've only seen it once. Uh, I really love the. They're they're definitely like stuff in Stephen Chow movies that wouldn't fly here. Like I love the fat woman oh, gag and the people getting cooked inside pig carcasses. In well, that that's just straight up like kind of Chinese like cinema. It is, but I do think but American like, audience yeah. would be more like whoa, who? <laughs> like that's straight from the Monkey King. Like that's totally. a big part of it. In but the like, same movie with a man with a gigantic foot. <laughs> okay, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say the his or name is like a, I forget his name. It's like King Handsome or something. But in yeah. Journey to the West, it's Prince like Handsome or something. a guy named Prince handsome who has one tiny foot like a baby's foot on his leg it's so weird but awesome he likes that weird shit well and it's it's also like i try to imagine how weird it would be because like we were talking about before we hit record right we think of fan we take for granted that fantasy speaking of lord of the rings when american or like western european people say fantasy right they mean like Orcs, elves, humans, and dwarves. And there's dragons, probably. And you think, I guess that's just what fantasy is. But no, it's not. You take that for granted. Um, That's why I'm so fascinated, like... um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, like, the the magical realism. Anything from a culture that's not mine, where I see, what do they take for granted as their fantasy tropes? It's always so fucking cool, just because it's novel. Right. So, like, if you really get into Chinese fantasy film right you'll see so many references to the monkey king like there's yeah, yeah there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of references the to the, the monkey king to red cliff to like uh, outlaws of the marsh there are like these three books that are just reference non-fucking yes. stop where and, like yeah and yeah. just like an american film will be like you know they're a mutant they have superpowers and we take that for granted right, right, yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, yeah 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 they'll do that with right. you know they have chi they unlock their chi so right right superpowers yeah yeah they studied at shaolin temple they're like from the wu-tang clan you yeah. know yeah and i love just comparing how every culture loves fantasy right? and how every culture takes their own fantasy tropes for granted. And that's why you can have these things where like Americans will see Japanese commercials and go, Japanese people are crazy. (laughs) And Japanese people will see like an American commercial for Mountain Dew or that fucking Quiznos ad with the flash art and be like, Americans are fucking crazy. (laughs) It's, it's fun. It's fun to play or, play is weird but to like try to exist as best you can in another culture's fantasy yes. and like fall in love with it because i fuck like wuxia is one of my favorite genres but i still feel sometimes a total outsider to it right like i'll be reading i i've started reading one of the most 
famous wuxia novels ever was finally translated into like English in a good translation. And I've been reading it and like, I love some passages and then some passages feel like some fucking Hardy boys ass shit. Like this is so yeah. corny that this dude's just running mm. around. Like now he's Genghis Khan's best friend, you know? And it's like, this is goofy <laughs> ass shit. Gumping he's Chinese history. Just like it's forest gumping <laughs> Chinese history. And like, this is some goofy shit. But like, you're like, yeah, but this isn't like, I grew up with, the shit I grew up with is goofy too. Like I'm sure if someone from a different culture is reading Stormlight Archives, they're like, "This is dumb. This oh, is dude, fucking dumb." Um, yeah. Imagine be like truly, because I kind of am an outsider to this, or I'm able to inhabit this brain space. The fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I know people, I am a nerd, and I like comics, so don't at me like I'm like trying to make you feel bad for your hobby or fandom, but I do understand the point of view where people like, if you didn't take it for granted, it would almost seem like, is everyone brainwashed in America? Or like, right. what? All the adults are watching a thing about which person in spandex can punch the hardest? Yeah. yeah that's what all the adults spend most of their money on, and you're right. like, why? That's like a child's Story. Yeah, what are you, you talking about? Yeah. Like an alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yet, one of my favorite, or the aspect that engages that nerd part of me that does love that, is like another thing about Kung Fu Hustle is when you learn about the different masters and their different abilities and the names of their moves, it feels very much like when I first discovered the X-Men. Right. It was like, you know what's so cool about it, Dad? It's that this guy has this powers, but this guy has this powers. That's, and this yeah. chick has this power. Categorical <laughs> fantasy is just like, you just get to enjoy what, like, it's instead of dinosaurs. It's like, this guy does this. Yeah. And, right, yep. he's the spear master, and he's the hungar master. You can tell because of the rings on his arms. Right. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> like yeah. these three are from this school, right. so they overlap in this style. This guy does and do that style at He's all. He's very different. I'm literally yeah. going through this right now because I just started watching uh, a Neon G- Genesis. Oh, the shit. I haven't watched that yeah. at that all. I hear it's amazing. I, I uh, mm. I, well, it's like I started watching it. I'm like a few episodes in and I'm like, God damn it. You had to go and do something really good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like now you have I to was care. Like, now I'm going to be a fucking guy who likes anime. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that's also interesting. One that I always thought as a kid, it took me a while to get used to. I was like, um, I, th- I said to a Japanese friend of mine at school, like, how come every anime has g- giant robots that form into a bigger giant robot? And he was like, I don't know. How come every American movie has a cop going rogue? <laughs> Just like shoot people in the face because he's off the force. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, every culture just lands on stuff, stuff that's that becomes weird. a staple of their right. stuff. And yeah. this is just our thing, I guess. Yeah. And it's fun to like watch the different sort of uh, like roots that all bleed into the one. Right. Like, right now, this is our trope. Like, I right. bet there was big robots in a Godzilla thing, and then there was some other got, big robots. It inspired and Transformers, it, right. and now our two cultures are on the same page with giant robots. We yeah. all like we giant robots. Right. Yeah, we good. all like giant yeah. robots. <laughs> but like, it took getting to know each other through culture. To, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's that's what it's all about. And then, like, of course, what's you don't think name? about it until you get exposed yeah, to other Red cultures. Yeah, it was go, like yeah. add Godzilla to that. And I thought that was one of the worst movies. Mm-hmm. The last I didn't 10 like Pacific years. Rim. <clears throat> Pacific Rim yeah. sucks. My buddy and I got in like a big sort of tough tussle, whatever about it, where like he was like, "That was great," and I was like, "It kind of was really stupid." Yeah. He's like, "No, it was like fun," but I think it's almost the same way I am with like 
If I saw a bad Wuxia movie, I'd still be like, no, no, but you, like, if you like the, the genre, you know, like, yeah. okay, so this guy's like, like that guy. Yeah. And like, I, I love nerd shit. Yeah. And yet I have found that's a real divisive one for is Pacific Rim. Nerds will be like, or defending. And by nerd, I just mean right. people who love sci-fi, fantasy, right. comic books will be like either. Yeah. Pacific Rim fits right in there. It was great. Or like. Pacific Rim was some cash grab, pandering bullshit. Right? Man. Yeah, <laughs> it is that divide on like what is what's like a good sort of homage, and then what's trash shit is like. Yeah, to me, it's like Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Zombies. Fuck you! If you want my money that bad, just break into my house. And <laughs> right? Like, goddamn you! The best part of all of this, though, is that goddamn it, this is the second time I've said new wave in today. Just and now do I'm it. Pissed. Uh, just new, uh, new, new wave. Uh, the new wave version of it, like the Chinese new wave. Right. Because um, now we're all infecting each other with our ideas. Because we're look all at, infecting like, the each other ar- with our gross the, so, trash DNA. So like Western arc with the hero myth. Right. You know, Eastern uh, hero myth. There's a lot of big differences. One of them, for example, is that the Western, you like take any fucking hero story or comedy, uh, Liar Liar or right. some shit like that. He has to be humbled, right? Yeah. In uh, Legend of Drunken Master, Jackie Chan just has to be shamed. Like it's, it's less about the, and then it's about the vigilance of hard work, yeah. but it's not about learning their lesson over and over and over. It's about slapping your hand and then doing the right dis and doing the right thing. Right. So and, yeah, they're slightly ahead. different about that. Now, when we look at Kung Fu Hustle, I, I'm, and the, the reason I keep thinking about it is because I thought, I thought the same thing about like when I tried to watch other like animes from Japan, uh-huh. some of them were just like, this ain't working on me. Cause I don't know why we're doing like, right. why is it a big baby? You know? <laughs> and then stuff like that. Like, uh, it's not just like the scene to scene. <laughs> I, I don't know which specific anime you're talking about, but like that but works a like, lot. Like, like, why uh, is it a big baby? Is like you have for a lot impulse, of anime. It's like, yeah. we'll explain why the Monkey King, and they're like, yeah. dude, dude. If you yeah, were steeped exactly. in this culture, you would you need would to need ask that, why that the shit. Yeah. That shit. I don't want to. Yeah. 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 So the point being is that they have all their differences, and they have all the things that they choose to focus on time and time again as we make these movies over and over inside their own kind of cultural mm-hmm. bubble. But then when the bubble kind of expands into each other and there's more of a den, zen, Venn diagram, uh, you get Stephen Chow movies. Uh, and you get... Uh, the Zen diagram like, is uh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. the Zen uh, You get more of um, like animes like uh, Cowboy Bebop or something mm-hmm. like that where it's right. like, oh, this feels like a Western right. arc. And then you get this I mean, kind of one. And it takes jazz, which is an American, you know, exactly. art part of its exactly. thing. Yeah. And uh, when we get to Kung Fu Hustle, I think it knows that it's for worldwide distribution at this yeah. point. And it is more of a Western arc than it is an Eastern arc. It does. And that was interesting. Have that hero rises thing that feels. It, I feel like anime does that a lot yeah. now, but I don't know if that was always baked in. But the hero rises feel so Western of like yeah. the music swell, like and suddenly yeah. Neo is. You right. Know? There's a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's suddenly he's Neo now. There's a little bit of the Eastern holding on on stuff like randomly he'll just decide to show us things like he's in the uh, stoplight. Uh, bin, bin or whatever right. that it is, uh, and he's Crow's like, nest. and so you're like, okay, suddenly things are supernatural. 
it's easy to chalk it up to just like what we we're talking about earlier in this Looney hour tunes, yeah. where it's just Looney Tunes or just slapstick of tone. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something deeper going on here, which is the amalgamation of the hero, like what, what we dwell on in our heroes and both e typically Eastern and West right. Western historically and how it's unionizing and becoming kind of like an all myth. And that is something that is kind of yeah. profound. To well, me. it's, well, not to get too edgy, but that's oh, like yeah, you view the same thing where Boobies. you're like, oh, religions, some religions sort of converge ultimately to the same mm -hmm. underlying structural myth mm -hmm. and like found each other. Where it's like it's interesting how historically religions totally separated by yeah. for thousands of years can have such strikingly similar story beats. And you're mm -hmm. like, that must be indicative of something about it human nature that's right. universal yeah. the, these sort of cyclical yeah yeah although i do love that i do feel like it, it it has it comes more from the chinese storytelling tradition at least in the in one aspect that i think is interesting and of course things are not monolithic so there's exceptions to all these things but um in western stories the hero usually decisively crushes the villain mm -hmm. in a way where the villain suffers or is literally dead or leaves the movie forget about them they suck they right. fall in a mud puddle right. like i mean in uhf it's like we kick him in the balls and he right. falls in a mud puddle fuck yeah, that guy we did it. and i love the it's much more of an eastern storytelling tradition which kung fu hustle is true to yeah. which is basically right. rather than having to uh it's the opposite of being humbled you mm -hmm. are humble. You slowly realize that through internal work, you can become the best version of yourself. And then you become so amazing that you don't need to flex. And you can go to the villain and go, hey, man, you don't have to be a dick. I don't have to be a dick. Like, I love. Right. And it's not yeah. a very Western storytelling trope that the end of this is the, the beast. You do hate. He's a fucking dick. Um, finally just goes, how'd you do that amazing move? And he goes, I'll teach you if you want. Right. And I love my Western storytelling brain was like, don't teach the bad punish guy Punish him, punish move. him, yeah. yeah. In Speed 2, he's going to kill Sandra Bullock with that right. move. Right. But I, then I realized, no, in Eastern storytelling mm. tradition, the fact that he's reaching out to the villain means that the villain is not going to be a villain he's, anymore. Right. It's Abraham Lincoln. Like, the best way to destroy your enemy is and make him your friend. It's beautiful, of course, of the device that fans out. Uh, and that gives uh, uh, does the poison dart. He then takes it and then just spins it, and then it's, that's kind of how it becomes a flower. It becomes right. a flower, and then in a perfect Stephen Chow moment, he just you're looking at this glorious stage of like him in his epicness, this blue like wonderfully like Forrest Gump floating a brass petal, right. flower floating his, away, his villain at his feet, and Stephen Chow looks over, and notices that the lovers are watching him, and just waves. <laughs> that's <laughs> so hey, what's funny. Up? Yeah, yeah. just like. Yeah. Ruins the moment uh, entirely. Oh, uh, great joke is then they go because the reason they stump for him so hard is they had a son that would that's roughly his age. Yeah. They're like, look at him, man. If our son had lived, he'd be about that age. And yeah. they go something a repeated line from earlier in the movie. He shouldn't focus on kung fu though. Oh, I agree. He should study hard. He could be a lawyer or a doctor. And the guy goes, ah, probably a stunt man. Which is even a reference to Stephen Chow was an accomplished stuntman before he and got his all first of so all the, of the people the two yeah. landlords. <laughs> so the two landlords are uh, Yuan Wan, Yuan Chiu. Sorry, everybody. That so my yeah. I'll, I can't speak a bit of Cantonese, and my Mandarin is fucking garbage. So I'm I'm doing the best I can, <laughs> but uh, they're both. So their surname, right, Yuan, uh, is from their their like Peking opera teacher, mm -hmm. and that's like one of my favorite 
Chinese actors as Yuan Biao who like came up with Jackie Chan, he came up with Samuel Hung. All of these dudes were like they were the Seven Little Fortunes. They were like this famous young opera troupe. Mm. So these dudes were like both the two landlords were just fucking stuntmen, and that's how yeah. they came up. Their like whole life was trying to be stuntmen because that's how they made money. Yeah, yeah. And so like a lot of them, Yuan Hua did a ton of shit, but like Yuan Chiu just like disappeared. She was the mm. the landlady. But like some of these, dudes, I think yeah, she steals the movie. She is the best oh, part of the movie. She's every yeah. and yeah, it's like everyone's like, well, she was the funniest, right? She's <laughs> well, yeah. so I mean, funny. Smoking that cigarette, like nobody's fucking. When she just sucks the whole cigarette, yeah, but just in general, just that she's like you can't separate her. In the and cigarette. yet again, her Looney Tunes. You're like, that's just a Looney Tunes joke that she right. inhales and sucks in a whole cigarette. No, it's not. It's foreshadowing that right. literally her superpower is it's her lung breath. capacity. Right, she's yeah. got the lion's roar. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I've never seen the lion's oh, roar well, before. Fucking cra- and they bring the, they slipped everything by me. Right. Because I usually watch movies and go, Chekhov's gun is such an easy formula. You're like, yeah. well, James Woods is evil because he's the most famous person that seems good. Or, <laughs> well, obviously that nuke is going to go off or why did we look at it? Yeah. But in this, they get everything fucking by me. It goes like, Oh, you brought a funeral bell to represent this? And I'm like, yeah, that's what that is. It's because they bring a death bell. You're like, no, it's part of their secret plan. It's Everything so is so rad how oh, they use that. The it's so are, cool. They use it and, as a speaker, yeah. And I love the pacing of of uh literally in the scene where the beast agrees to fight them, you go in your mind, I mean, I I was thinking, and I feel like most of us would think. Okay, so now comes a sequence where he tracks them down or they find each other. He turns around and they're in the next room. <laughs> and that fight happens immediately. And it's not like forced. It makes sense that they'd be there. But in retrospect, I was like, how well crafted to be like, we've promised what the final battle will be. Here's the final battle. Right, right. Like, it's why here, would we right. dick around? Yeah. Like, yeah. go for Cut it. to the chase. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, like, this is, the narrative is the fighting. It's not the things yes. that happen around That's the a good fighting. Point. So That's it's a... like, the actions these people choose, <clears throat> in a lot of, like, action movies, like, Western action movies, people want to do an action and then fighting gets in the way. Yeah. But in this movie, in a lot of wuxia movies and, you know, the er martial arts genre, right. it's like, my especially wuxia because they're like part of this you know culture this more like the wulin this like martial culture yeah. like i'm here to fight you the reason i've come here is because i want to fight you now because that's who i am and who you are yeah. yeah like in cracked we often talked about how these movies are and any movie with high level stunt work right is like musical theater for people who feel like I would never go see a musical but right. I will watch these dudes beautifully dance, Just, dance fight around each yeah. other I talk about Rachmaninoff or whatever he was a famous Russian ball, ballet dancer okay. right yeah. but then like Jackie Chan can move better than that dude like Jackie Chan is the most well, you poetic Drunken Master is like incredible yeah like uh, like you said you're like he could be doing ballet or anything anything yeah, yeah. I mean the way there's this one movie that came out a year before Drunken Master called Fearless Hyena where uh-huh. it's it's the same it's early Jackie Chan it was his first starring role I think it's also funny uh, Yan Wuping choreographed it and directed it but the martial art in that is like emotionally based right like mm. you know you you're laughing like this and you're crying like this so it's just Jackie Chan pulling face for the entire movie just like doing this all these incredible like Buster Keaton-esque emotive motions with yeah. his body while fighting and it's just 
fucking great. It's yeah. so good. And it's like you said, it's that's so interesting. Cause like when John Wick runs into a sword museum, <laughs> wait, he, does that happen in John Wick three? Yeah. In John Wick three, he's chasing some dudes and the dudes by chance flee into a uh, <laughs> museum of antique weapons. Of course. And you're like, that's the last place you want to run into when John Wick. Oh, that wait, that happens the in the second place. matrix. Really? In the second Matrix, when he's at they the Marijin, Marijin's house, there's like a, an ancient weapons museum in his wow. like fancy chalet. Because yeah. uh, I mean, the that's Wachowskis be a know what they want to do. But it does. But it does feel like it pauses for you to see how cool the stunt work is going to be. Right. Then there's a break in between the fights where one plot beat happens. Whereas in this movie, it feels like in between the fights, there's a bunch of hilarious jokes, and then while the fight is happening, the plot events the plot is there right yeah yeah yeah. especially with the climax and stuff um because there isn't a lot of like you said earlier it's not it's not a very um intricate plot although they'd i I like nuance i like the double fake out where they're like the opening sequence establishes that the axe gang is the most feared thing possible and then they're fake Axe Gang members, but then the Axe Gang isn't even the main villain. It's the Beast. Right. I like that. That message. is nice. It's not yeah. complex, but it's cool. But it, right. Yeah, that, that is a little bit more complex than like a boy meets girl or something right. like yeah. that. But yeah, it's like... There's some switcheroos You in don't it. need... It's the kind of plot weaving that isn't really straight up ex- exposition. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it can be done during a fight. It doesn't have to be like... Well, we're catching our breath. Let me explain to you. <laughs> what just my happened? father, you yeah. see, my father yeah. and my mother aren't actually my father and my mother. They invented a device. Yeah. The device works as follows. Yeah. Oh, wait, let's punch a few times. Okay, yeah. now back to my device. Yeah. yeah, I love fight scenes where they pause in between fighting to have two lines of dialogue, then fight more. You're like, who's, right. who's ever done Why, that? That's very ever. Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, <laughs> ha ha ha, yeah. now let me tell you a thing. Yeah. yeah. Although that I'm the actually, pirates fight where they in. fight on the wheel That's fucking could great. go in this yeah. movie it, very much, and <laughs> that it's like as much a gag as it is a fight. Yeah, um, Wuxia deals a lot with identity, right? It's like, oh, you're the, like you are this person. I right. didn't know you're this person. Now I do is always a major, not always, but it's often a major plot element. Journey to the West is he realizes he's the reincarnation of a guy he didn't know he but was. But it's not yeah. always about you realizing, and it's often about the other person. Real, like Journey to the West is sort of pre-Wuxia because it's like straight up mythic, like all about legends and stuff. But like this genre, you know, from like the 1920s, whatever, there's always like, mm-hmm. oh, your dagger arms, like mm-hmm. Wu Chen, I didn't realize that was you, right? Like there's always this like, yeah, oh, you're like, oh, have you guys seen Five Deadly Venoms, right? Wu-Tang Clan no, raps about it all the time, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, it is like a must-see if you're interested in Wu Sha, cool. but the whole movie is about like who's who. Because it's yeah. just like a bottle mystery with Kung Fu in it. Yeah, but the tradition is so much more that the fights need to include bits. Like Jackie Chan and right. Drunken Master will suddenly be like, for the next sequence of 10 hits, I'm not going to let the bottle tip. It's going to remain vertical. Right. And it's like, it reminds me of um, Kung Fu Panda, I thought was elevated in the sense that I walked away from that movie going, wow, they really use the action sequences to explore iterative bits instead right. of just... Jason Bourne punches, 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 punches. punches. Right, kills, Uh, shoots. Yeah, exactly. And it tickles the comedian in me so much because it's the same process of brainstorming 
what would be a good bit right. for this fight. Yeah. It's a different kind of Rolodexing bits. It's so fun. There and they also so you mentioned Jackie Chan and so like yeah. the the seven little fortunes sort of family tree does that a lot with both comedy and in the action sequences and sometimes they intersperse. Like there's this Yun Biao movie where he's like fighting this you know Manchu prince and he like punches him in the head and gives him a goiter. And so <laughs> the whole sequence like the five seven minute fight like every now and again he just hits him in that spot again and right. it's like this is kind it's of funny but it's also like a violent game it's but it's a what i mean by bit is it's a concept that you inherently immediately and i understand why they like looney tunes right looney tunes operates on this principle we can show you three elements and you understand the game right and then the game can dissolve and a new game can form mm-hmm. the one that comes to mind is you don't fully know why she's smacking the bell but you immediately understand her goal is to hit the bell as many times as in a row as she can the beast's goal is to interrupt that process right i don't know why but i immediately instinctively know the rules of the game which allows me to root for her to win the game yes yeah 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 every moment is that right whereas there's so many action movies that fall into what's the game i hope our guy kills the other guy right right it's (laughs) nice it's nice that they introduce they introduce like athletic and martial stakes that aren't just Objective. I punch One you, of the you punch gr- me. Objectively yeah. greatest games ever played is Legend of or, or yeah, Legend of Drunken Master with keep the jug alive. Yeah. Right, right. Just like you know, keep and it this up. One yeah. My favorite is get I throw a I throw a sheaf of ten spears at once. Now we go into slow motion. Yes. My goal is for just at least one spear to, to reach make you. It. Your yeah. goal is to stop that. Right. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. your loot. Yeah, that Wuxia's <laughs> so good because it's got the fantasy element in the martial uh, world of like, we have all this like magic shit, so yeah. let's play with what the game is. Like, Crouching Tiger does that really well where um, I'm forgetting the name of Yen Wu, uh, no, of uh, Chow Yun Fat's character, mm-hmm. but like, his thing is like, how am I not? How am I going to beat you without touching you while you have the best sword ever made? Right? right. Oh, I'll just like stop you with this stick, or like you know, I'll just move out of the <laughs> right. way because I'm such a badass. It's like that. The game is, he's so good that he's making it too hard for himself. Yeah. Yes. Although I do also love that they again, this movie is so in masterful control of all those tropes that it can switch seamlessly between doing them correctly and mm. making fun and of them, fucking them up. Yeah. Because all these tropes are illogical, so at any time you can go, although it is kind of weird that we all buy this. Right, 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 right. Like, right, I love right. that he's, like, in a scene where he realizes, I'm very strong. I can stomp on someone's toes, and their toes get crushed. <laughs> That's, yeah. That, Just, dude, that, ends, that. that ends right. the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in every other kung fu movie, I would do a variety of things, because that's entertaining. But if I could just do this, why wouldn't I just do that over yeah, and over? Yeah, just keep doing just a while. Have a scene yeah, where yeah. he just stomps thirty guys' toes. It's like playing a fighting game where right. you're like, "Well, if this move works the best, why I'll just don't keep I just doing do this? this? Yeah, spam right, the, right. Spam I'll just spam button. this move. Right? <laughs> why makes Keelik like shoot his staff out? And that's the best reach in the and game. That, I'm just gonna keep doing but it. But then two minutes later, we're back to a completely different game. Right? Because there's he does it, forget the, the stomp, importance the move, yeah. and care put into the fight sequences of like both cult of Eastern and Western cultures. Look no further than the names we give to those genres. In the West, we call them action movies. 
and in in the east they're martial arts films <laughs> yeah, it's true. like this is what this is what matters because there's this yeah. cultural history of like performative martial arts right where with us there's a cultural history of like wanting to have the biggest dick yeah uh and yeah. right be, shoot guns good but I mean, have you seen There's my dick? Have you seen my cut? There's still about an ever increasing right. power level, but it has a different feel. For yeah, sure. it does. Um, yeah, and the uh, I gotta say the the cocoon butterfly thing. Yeah, I immediately thought of Serious Man because that was mm. I love the tactic in Serious Man where, uh, and I still think it's even more effective in Serious Man. But as a storytelling, I had not seen this in film before Serious Man. Mm-hmm. Now I realize I actually saw it in Kung Fu Hustle first. The idea of seeing something symbolically happen on screen that lets you know that simultaneously the thing it's a symbol for also happened off screen. Like that's how you show it. Yeah. Right, like they that's show a butterfly a coming out of a cocoon and you never see him come out of his cocoon. You just assume he did. Right. In Serious Man, I love it. They, they show a car accident in the same way a guy gets in a minor fender bender and that is symbolic for the knowledge that simultaneously a much more serious car accident happened to a different character off camera. <coughs> Pardon. And they never show that. You just have to like gather Infer it. it. Yeah. I just right. think that's a cool no, no, technique. I, I mean, I wouldn't say they invented it because I know no. I've seen it before, but it is an effective device and when it's used... It, it makes the audience feel smart. And I mean, yeah. that's one of the part of entertainment is you, uh, you know, ingratiate your audience. And that's what gets me to the point where I compare Chow to Edgar Wright is like, he also cares about the visual visuality of filmmaking to he's, a deep degree. Uh, he's yeah. a really good director. Yeah. In this movie, mm. especially he's just nailing it. And mm. this could be my ignorance, but like, I felt like the final song also one of the best scores ever. Like the score of this movie, yeah, rules. where he uses really classical, like uh, he uses yeah. like a historical wuxia movie score, right. but it's more of like yeah. the movie takes place in like the same time frame as like It Man, where it's like in the twenties and thirties, right? And it's like the music is a historical, and it fits yes. really well. And yet, I would say the final score piece of the film, I was like totally as like 50% Ennio Morricone, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly uh-huh. theme. Yeah. 50% Joe Hisaishi, like a classic, you know, Miyazaki right. theme. So it's, like you said, he, uh, he disjoints time. Is another thing that gives me flashes of Tarantino, like the music's important in this film to right. the point that the score actually is physically involved in one it, of the fight embodied, sequences. Yeah. But... Even just that, like, this is one of the few film scores. I listen to this score on CD. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like it's a I good score. I don't do score. that a lot. It's yeah. solid. I do that with score. Mononoke's score. I do that with Ennio Morricone's scores. And I do that with this score. I like the score yeah. from Hero a lot because it's mm. it's Itzhak Perlman playing violin. And then it's this dude, like, yeah, he's the Tan Dunn, who does a ton of shit. And then Kodo, like, the, the famous yeah, Japanese the drums, drumming yeah. troupe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the group is also called Kodo. And they're like... Okay. The music's just so good. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I might be out of stuff. I mean, I can just start reading quotes and shit, but people <clears throat> should just watch it or watch yeah. it again if you have It's really good. It's really good to watch. I've watched it. I was saying I didn't even rewatch it really for this week's yeah. preparation. I've seen um, it so many times that I just kind of sh- shuttled through it. Right. Which I, is just so. That's just sick. That's yeah. sick. I, I've watched this movie too much. It's so good. I feel mm-hmm. like I want to hit some kung fu movies people should watch if they I mean, like it that hits the tropes. That's your prerogative. It's like where yeah. some of the tropes came from. <laughs> yes. uh, 
I think definitely watch any of the movies that are called the One-Armed Swordsman, but my personal favorite is the new One-Armed Swordsman to get the sense of like the hero in white kind of wuxia trope. Watch the Swordmaster, which is new, but it's ba- it's from 2017, but it's based on a Gulong novel to like also get that wuxia sense. Watch... Um, Fuck, what's the Bruce Lee movie that I feel like he's pulling from a lot? Uh, oh, The Big Boss. There's some chore- mm. uh, choreographic elements from The Big Boss in this that you should definitely check out. Uh, and then, I mean, he pulls on The Matrix a lot. So, like, watch yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I just watch The Matrix. Watch The Matrix. The original Drunken Master or uh, The Prodigal Son, which is Yun Biao and Sammo Hung, to get, like, that golden harvest Mm. feel of where a lot of this shit is coming from and if you really like the uh the game element of the martial arts all the movies that i'm aware of that you name yeah uh and also man that's pretty western and like uh, you right. can get that on netflix i think uh, and, and like. then you can probably get it anywhere yeah. coming out with the fourth one soon and yeah. it also hits this like classic like china around the revolution era like in the early mid 1900s the this movie's set in where it's which is a fun time period to set a movie in right yeah old time yeah i just read on imdb also that uh it's every level you guys it's every it's fucking level He's closing yeah. his eyes and seeing yeah, the future right it's now, um it's called uh uh so her the landlady's ultimate ability is called the lion's, the lion's roar. roar yeah Lion that roars in the east is Chinese period-appropriate Chinese slang for a wife that nags you a lot. Really? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like fuck. everything. Like the names of their powers are puns. If right. we grew if up we in China, it. we would know. Yeah. You know, I, I just everything is. I I have to because I guess because I'm a white knight virtue signaler. That's everything that's wrong right. with society. I have to say, I cringe at the gay joke. The, there is gay scare in um, this, which is uncomfortable. FYI, if you're going to yeah. watch this, like, yeah. I wouldn't want you to not know. If homophobic jokes bug you, there's a guy whose whole bit is like, he's an amazing fighter, but his whole bit is the fact that he's gay means that he like acts like a girl and yeah, cries easily right. and runs yeah. at in a that to fancy me, way. So that is the most dated, me. that's the most dated joke to me. Yeah. But then also like the relationship because the woman is a deaf mute who has no character at all. Like that, that bugged me a point. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I lo- uh, my note was, uh, oh good, our hero has learned how to be good, so now he gets the sex prize, which is a woman who can't speak. Hooray! 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 Yeah. Everything as it right. should be for the guy. Yeah, right. The special boy! On the virtue signaling white knight train, I think it's especially for me, because I love wuxia movies, and I'm clearly so excited to talk about yeah. it. Like, I am aware this is not my culture, and I can... <laughs> barely at all like pronounce mandarin right, <laughs> right let alone like cantonese or anything i don't know that much i'm just eager and excited about a thing that it's i love but I, right i didn't grow <laughs> yeah. up in but yeah it's a fucking great movie and it yeah and it has classic jokes that would work in like a pixar movie they're like fundamental human jokes that always yeah. work like uh when she opens they're fighting down below she opens the shutters shut up people are trying to sleep eat shit and die lady <laughs> Die in this racket? <laughs> like that's like a Laurel yeah. and Hardy yeah. line. It's just just works. It's so funny. Um, all right, we should wrap movie. it up. So yeah. the last thing I'm going to say about this film is trivia I learned. At 41 minutes in, there's a tracking shot 
where that kid who always has his ass crack hanging out yeah. is squatting on concrete. There was originally a turd under his butt, and that's the explanation of why that kid's ass crack is always out. The culmination of that bit is that he shits in public wherever he wants. The censors made them digitally remove the human turd from the shot. Hmm. So at 41 minutes, look for a dude who is squatting with his bare bottom showing, clenching as if he's shitting, but there's nothing there. (laughs) It's really weird looking. I always wondered about that. And I wanted... I just wanted that to be the last factoid I dispensed. Yeah, That's just about fact, phantom <laughs> pooping. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any final thoughts from you dudes before mm-hmm. you wrap it up? I got no final thoughts. It's a great movie. It's phenomenal. And I know a lot of people who consider comedy writing an art form to consider this to be like a caviar of yeah. the comedy writing mm-hmm. art form for sure. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to plug that you didn't at the start? Uh, Tell everyone about your show. No, yeah. So uh, if you've never listened to At Least There's This, it's been off uh, off the podcast air for a while. It will come back eventually. um, But listen to back episodes. These dudes have been on it. Mike twice, Abe once. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they're great. Beautiful, amazing boys, these boys. We did... As a kind of a way to tie in us launching our show, the Coen Brothers Brothers, we talked to the Coen yeah, Brothers. Yeah. Thank you for helping and us. Then, I love uh, I did The Sun. You did The Sun. That's and right. And I, yeah. So but, just real quick, because right. you have gotten to plug it, but not explain yeah. it. The title's very clear, but explain the show. So, okay, so uh, the world is a fucking nightmare. Uh, mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm, sucks, mm-hmm. and we're all going to die. But at least there's some things that people genuinely love. And I love that yeah. premise. Yeah, I mean, we need that wholesome. right now. Right. Very wholesome. Uh, if you listen to our sister podcast feed or watch it, you know, what I'm trying to say is Cody Johnson and Katie Stoller are our good friends. <laughs> so I call them a sister operation. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you watch their show, Some More News, at least they're this. At least there's this is like the perfect thing after that. Yeah, it ameliorates. Yeah. Yeah, yes, and the, we need that now. The nightmare. So and thank you. I will be bringing it back soon. But the other, the thing that's been taking all my time is a live show that will become a podcast eventually. But it, it's it's my baby, and it's called Science the Show. Uh, so I host it with a stand-up comedian and a research scientist, and it's like a night of stand-up and like the coolest TED talk that doesn't make you roll your eyes. Uh, and that's exactly yeah. our audience. They're good. They would love that shit. Like I know right. you people listening mm-hmm. would like that. If so you're that. Yeah, in the <laughs> LA area, <laughs> find us. We do it. Uh, we've got the next three months. We're at two bit circus. If you've ever been to two bit yeah. circus, it's the fucking coolest place in LA. So we're performing there. We, uh, we have amazing scientists. We've had somebody who works on telescopes in Antarctica. We've had, uh, amazing evolutionary biologist and then some of the best comics in LA coming for some tripped out cool science cool, shit. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you awesome. Twitter or Insta? Uh, I, right now I'm tweeting at science, the show, uh, for the show. Right. At least there's, this does have a Twitter, but it's also on hiatus, uh, <laughs> sure. but that will come back. Find me on all the socials at either of those two things. Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you for picking this one. I fucking love this movie, guys. Finally banked. Now yeah. I just have to get someone to be willing to cover Dark City and I'll, and Shakes the Clown, and I'll be satisfied with this <laughs> yeah. series. We got Freaked, which I didn't think we'd get. We got October Sky <laughs> for me. So. That's right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.